2: Welcome to the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. My name is Josh Carey. You want in on a little secret? I was in hiding for 40 years. Yeah, I was hiding every part of myself in every situation. And I can tell you one thing, hiding sucks. I'm now on a mission to help extraordinary people like yourself Rediscover the world around you, connect beautifully with others, and excel tremendously in all you set out to do. Join in. It's The Hidden Entrepreneur Show. Oh, that's cool. Yeah! I agree. How's yeah. it going? Welcome. Welcome to the show. It's the Hidden Entrepreneur Show. You know that. I am here with an incredible, amazing person. His name is Rob Scott. Simple enough, but so, so complex, as you'll see. <laughs> What's doing, Rob?
1: I'm happy to be here, man. It's good to be with you, Josh.
2: Yeah. What do you make of that? I mean, there's, there's something to be said about uh, the simplicity of things. but right? We know that it's not always simple. There's a lot of complexity to probably much of what we do. Where do we go with that?
1: Yeah, it's a really interesting point. I think there's a thousand things I could, I could say back to that. Um, you know, I think one of the problems that we're facing as a society is that we are ever more kind of noticing the complexity that we're in, actually. And I think sometimes there can be very useful, simple things that can help that, Uh, And yet we still have to honor the complexity. And so there's a bit of a paradox in that. And uh, I think the ability to actually even manage paradox generally is something that is a skill that is not only teachable, but is infinitely helpful. So I could talk about that for a while too, but. Oh, yes, we can. You're talking about
2: managing paradox. Um, Place it into context. Give us an example of what's front and center in the human paradox here?
1: Sure. So one of the big things that we're trying to do as people constantly is make meaning, right? Like we're mm-hmm. constantly trying to go, I'm here, stuff is happening. What does it mean and what's true, right? So what, what, what is truth? And uh, I think at some point we would like there to be truth that is just always true, right? That, that we can all agree on, well, that's true and that's it. But truth is way more complex than that because we've got objective truth, which is truth that we can all kind of look at out here. We all have our own personal experience of things, which might be considered subjective truth. And if you start considering that we have seven or 8 billion of those individual truths kind of running around on the planet, all with their own perspective. And then you have amount of truth, right? You have, uh, is it simplified? Is it kind of cut off? Or is it this endless amount of data that, that real truth kind of points to? So we, ha- we have real truth problems. And so we might say that there's a place where useful truth really matters so that we can actually make some meaning and kind of move ahead, make a good choice based on truth. But we run into paradox, we run into problems. And one way to think about that is if I'm looking at the universe, and these are my data points from my perspective. As soon as I start changing perspective, that truth changes. Something pops up from behind or something might also be true, but from over here. So one of the things that people say is that nobody really has access to absolute truth from any position. We all have partial truth. And so in that, you can start to think about things that are you know, it's true from that perspective, but let me hold it. Like, am I capable of holding this other perspective? Right. So to make that a little bit more concrete, if we talk about like Democrat and Republican, right. Or conservative and progressive, whatever, um, both have lots of truth in their concerns, right. Like in their, in their best forms, there's uh, real things from both sides. But if we get slammed down into the, what might be a mistake of, I have all truth and, and you have all wrong, we end up in all these different arguments. So the ability to hold paradox, to be able to see truth or partial truth and be open to other perspectives and other kinds of truth that can get there uh, can be really, really helpful. And one way to think about that is being able to hold paradox, you know, being able to go, yeah, that's true, but it's also, this is true and they don't seem to relate, but I can hold that. Uh, I can hold both those positions.
2: It sounds like you're asking us to be somewhat mature or responsible <laughs> in our actions and decisions. Is that possible? You know, possible? Oddly, and-
1: Oddly enough, I am. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's true. You know, it, it is that, that political thing. Is, it's so hot right now, but it's also, you know, if we got near any kind of Thanksgiving time when everybody kind of heads home, we always end up in these political discussions with some family member that's on the other side of something, right? And I really do think that that's a useful story to think about is if you're talking to somebody who's so slammed down into knowing truth, like, this is right, this is the right one. Somebody else who has other ability to hold their partial truth, their own partial truth, maybe even other perspectives, the ability to hold more perspectives, you're actually taking in more of consciousness. You're actually taking in more perspectives on truth, which is uh, more advantageous. Right? I love so, that
2: word. I saw that yeah. word coming. like In slow motion, yeah. you had that slight pause and I'm like, say advantageous. It's just go. such a good yeah. word. Yeah. Really um, let's, let's talk about meaning for a minute because I live under the impression today that We have the ability, uh, the, the right, if you will, maybe the responsibility to apply any meaning to a situation to our advantage. Is
1: that always true? So always true. We just talked about maybe there's no position that's always true, right? So let's just watch for absolute kind of language. Maybe, um, I think that it is, it's incredibly important to be able to make useful meaning, right? Uh, just to make any meaning at any time, I don't think that, you, that that's useful for the whole, right? If that's maybe useful for you, because we need to be, um, if you think about it, like omniconsiderate, right? right? We, we definitely, what happens to us absolutely matters and we have to take care of that for sure. But we have a bigger responsibility, especially if we're in a family or we realize we're in a society or whatever. So we can't just make, any meaning, right? It's, it's, not, it's, I mean, it's not just about making any meaning. Arbitrary, but, right. But being able to shift meaning into what is potentially more useful um, and helpful, that's one of the most important skills that we can take on. So I would deeply agree with that part of what you said, for sure.
2: Awesome. You, you run a couple of masterminds and communities. One is called the Identity Shifting Mastermind. Yeah. You also run the monthly um, Fundamental Shift coaching community. So Mm -hmm. I know you're all about shifting. Yeah. Identity. I want to hone in on that word identity. Yeah. I would love, love to unravel this. I have a, a working knowledge of really what that means and and how to how it can help or hinder, right? So what is what exactly are we talking about when we talk about identity? Is it the thing in our minds that we, how we view each other or how we view the world. Let's frame the word for us first. So we have a a starting point.
1: Yeah. It's actually, it's actually kind of difficult to do that because it's so kind of central to our operating principle of, of self, right? It's, it's this sense of self. One way that you might think about it is, uh, you could think about it as it's a it's a psychological story that we continue telling ourselves about ourselves, right? So that's one sense of it. So uh, if I were to ask you, like, hey, you know, tell me about yourself. What are you? A, a lot of people would answer, well, I'm an accountant, right? Or I'm whatever, right? Well, that's a role but we actually get kind of lost in the role. We might think, you know, well, I'm an employee versus an entrepreneur or something. That's an aspect of our identity for sure, but it's certainly not our identity, right? That's not, that, that doesn't uh, encapsulate us by any stretch of it, right? We could think about it in a different sense, uh, you know, how you think, how you feel and how you behave consistently over time starts to be your identity. And if you change those meaningfully, you, you might argue that you've become somebody else, right? If you actually change how you think, you change consistently how you feel and how you behave. Well, that's now you're not the same person anymore, right? If you, if you left and came back with all these different qualities, you're, you're not really the same person. Um, you can actually think about it differently too. It, it has an extension out into kind of what we feel like we own or we have agency over. So if you notice, if you're driving a car, all of a sudden, if somebody hits your car, what do you say? You say, they hit me, right? They hit me right? So all of a sudden, it feels like you've been hit, even though it's just your car that's been hit. So all of a sudden, there's an agency quality to this as well. So if we're talking about changing self, right, profoundly changing, uh, the center of that is this quality of what, how are you identifying? What do you identify with? And honestly, at the biggest stages, the most profound way to do that, uh, you begin with a bit of self-mastery. You begin with an ability to uh, say, okay, can I Change what my impulse is in this moment. I want to eat this food. I'd like to drink this drink. I'd like to uh, be lazy right now. But instead, I have a different idea about myself and my behavior. So, do I have some self mastery? Well, we want that so that we can begin to actualize, right? Start to have some self actualization across the lines that matter to us. Really building a business that's meaningful, really having habits that keep us healthy or make us feel good, right? These kinds of things to actualize that mastery towards something that matters to us. And then here's kind of the, the, the little shift. The big thing is when we can realize that it's not all about us and we can actually excuse me, transcend self in a meaningful way, uh, which is not as magical or woo-woo as people think. There's actually a quality where uh, one way that I like to point it out, if I'm going to actually listen to you meaningfully, I have to kind of drop my sense of self to really model what you're saying right? That might be the beginning of transcending self or getting outside of self. Another thing is uh, things like flow states or gratitude or the feeling of awe, right? We sort of dissolve in that moment and now we can be in this we space or this bigger space than us, which starts to point toward meaning and fulfillment and other things that are really important. So anyway... That's a lot of answer to what identity may or may not be, et cetera. Uh, But I think some of it's in that mastery, uh, actualizing and then transcending. And when you put those together, you've really changed.
2: Yeah, it took me uh, decades, really. Part of my story, I spent 40 years hiding, really hiding my true talent, power, power, ability skill in exchange for seeking approval i feared that if i showed up doing something good something worthwhile something that i am very capable of doing and you saw this it might shine a light on your on your insecurities and you wouldn't Mm -hmm. like that and therefore you would retaliate and i wouldn't have felt powerful enough to to understand how to um how to take that on. So I just avoided it, which created all that internal
1: struggle. So those are, those are strategies of self, right? There's, there's strategies in there that are patterns that are how that self is trying to survive and stay safe, right? And so putting some of that down, you found a way to meaningfully change and get past that. And I would think that you would feel very differently about yourself now than you did then. Yeah?
2: heck yeah that's my story yeah. that's yeah. That, that's i i i love where i am today and where i still have to go and that path and that process so mm-hmm. absolutely yes and and a lot of it is exactly what you said i had to um i had to deliberately and consciously change the impulse to I'm going to take a nap. Oh, I'll do that later. Yeah, I'm yeah. not that kind of person. And then telling yourself either consciously right. or subconsciously that, no, 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 I don't do those kinds of things. I'm really this kind of person. I usually, you know, I, I, I'm more timid than that. And then mm-hmm. you wear these labels, right? We can get into the label conversation. Is that, is that the same different side of the same coin when we're talking about identity or is labeling how we label ourselves completely different
1: no i don't think it's completely different it's, it's absolutely in there um you know i do want to break it down back to to thought i think to mm. a, a huge degree human beings almost seem lost in thought quite often right so uh and i i mean if we were to break down thought into two things there's there's these unconscious impulses right so, you know, your heart is beating right now without your conscious attention, right? So there's, there's systems that are happening and things that are going on for you, but psychologically as well, right? Meaning making that you're doing that you're not really considering or playing a part in. That moment oh. when you just do act lazily, but you didn't even consider it. It just, you sort of found yourself there. Or when you're driving a car and you don't even realize you were driving, you got all the way to the place, right? So there's all these unconscious kind of drivers that are habitual, that are happening all the time. Many of those that are driving... Uh, thought and meaning-making, as we were saying before, are patterned in, right? Oof. And many of them are survival things over different things that have happened. Somebody said something once, or we had abuse, or you know, uh, bad parenting, or bad messaging that came in, whatever, right? Those things get set up, and we, we didn't choose them consciously, but now we're patterned in a certain way where we believe certain things about ourselves. We believe certain things about the world. We have strategies like you described where I just have to hide, Right, my, my best strategy is to hide instead of uh, really going big because big feels scary or new or different in some way. Right. So there's the whole unconscious piece to some degree. That needs to be addressed if we really want to heal some of those things. And what's so difficult about that is it's unconscious, right? We, we can't see it. It's not obvious to us. So the only way we really can see that is we see the effects of that, right? We start to, we, all of a sudden we wake up and we go, man, I am lazier than I want to be. Or I do keep having these big opportunities and I self-sabotage. Mm. Or I do consistently procrastinate or whatever, Now, some of it might become more conscious. We might actually hear in our mind, I'm not enough, I'll never make the money, people don't like me, whatever. Now we're starting to get over into the conscious mind. And the conscious mind has a whole set of tools that are really important there as well. So one, can your conscious mind know the difference between what thought is and what experience is, right? So what like a little meditation practice might be able to point out to somebody, right? Most of us are really losing the ability to focus in a meaningful way. We can't stay on one topic because we're skittering around because of the calls to our attention from technology and social media and all the things. Uh, Many of us just tend to ruminate all the time. That might lead to anxiety or depression or whatever, right? So gaining some skills around what am I doing in my conscious attention as well, right? If we can start to master that, if we can change how we're consciously thinking and some of our unconscious thinking patterns... Now we have this deeply meaningful way to rewrite our sense of self in a way that actually changes how we feel about things, how we behave, and sort of expands out from there uh, at at the center of ourself is this meaning-making thought kind of game that we're doing.
2: I'd love to compare some notes with you on how I did it and am doing it, and, and then you... The same. So um, a few years ago, I I was at my lowest. We know all those years, finally two small children staring me lovingly back in my face. I realized in that moment, okay, I get it here. I see what's happening. I'm the child in this circle here Mm -hmm. and at that point i said i can't continue down this path because projecting myself 15 20 years into the future when i'm now an empty nester did my best to raise my children who would have seen their father as this feeble weak small-minded man depressed angry frustrated how do you think they're going to see the world right yeah and 20 years down the road, I wouldn't be able to really live with myself knowing that that's how they're into the world. But I said, you know what, I can make the change now. And that was strong enough, finally, for me to make the changes. So what I started doing that you said was starting to take a a conscious and aware assessment of, okay, what am I doing from the minute I wake up to the minute I go to bed uh, that really aren't serving me that I am Mm -hmm. aware I could replace. Let me be honest about this and small, medium and large habits and patterns and beliefs needed to go. So yeah. one by one, I started replacing them, not overwhelming myself. And slowly but surely, over a few years now, that builds on itself. Uh, a new pattern comes into play. I then become uh, a, a, a more significant type of person. My identity mm-hmm. shifts. I can show up better, improved yeah. than I was, attract a more healthier and more powerful People, circumstances, and opportunities into my world, and the whole thing just repeats on itself day in and day out. And every morning I wake up, I often say that I I I treat this like I'm in recovery because in many Mm -hmm. cases I am recovering from my old self. So I have to deliberately do the steps again. I I can't Mm -hmm. take any of it for granted and say, oh well, I'll nap today. I mean, yes, of course you can do those things, but you don't just put everything aside and ride it off into the sunset. I feel it takes deliberate action each and every day to to continue to build on what you've developed
1: so first off i love that and there's so much there number one that just becoming a parent is a really profound shift in identity right there's a new invitation there to take on a whole new aspect and Mm. for many people you're no longer the center there's these other things right Uh, whether it's one or two kids right they're the center. Now, all of a sudden they become more the focus, right? You don't totally lose focus of yourself, but there's this other externalization. That's a big thing. And it matters. Mm. Oftentimes that's enough to wake us up out of old strategies that we might've just lived through, you know, ongoingly without challenging, but now it's not okay. And we've got to challenge it. And so it sounds like that. Happen to a great degree. Uh, I love how you described it, right? Finding those those beliefs, those thought patterns, those behaviors that change. The one thing that I would suggest is when that's consciously done, really looked at in totality in a process. There some foundational ones that can shift that make a lot of the other ones easier so that it doesn't have to maybe be as piecemeal over time, right? Like it's, there really are structures at the bottom that when you get to them first, it really can change big things, uh, in a, in a very large way. The other thing is that I I think a lot of, uh, coaches and different people default to like willpower as this, as like the defining thing, which you didn't say that explicitly, but it was almost implied in that, like, well, I still have to kind of keep coming back to this as if I'm in recovery or whatever. And by the way, I'm 16 and a half years sober myself. So uh, I understand that, but I, I personally don't do it through meetings and, and all that stuff. It's for me, it really is a change that, um, just feels permanent to me right it's just a thing that that i don't i don't have any plan of going back to or, or using right so what is that difference and i think that really does live more in that unconscious place like when you can really change the patterns willpower isn't needed in the same way because willpower is the is the muscle that's needed when it's not you okay when it's not natural so an example that i use a lot is becoming a runner right? So let's say we set the goal. I want to become a runner this year at New Year's Eve. Uh, Many people fail at that, right? Many people don't even buy the shoes. Some people go three times and then quit. Some people do it for two weeks and it doesn't stick. The people that make it often think that it was willpower that did it. And it may be. Willpower is incredibly great. It's powerful. It's a wonderful thing. But the thing that really changed was at some point, their unconscious mind took on, I'm a runner, right they they literally in their sense of self became a runner and at that point if you ask a runner hey don't run it's actually more difficult for them to not run at that point right it's not an act of will anymore they just get up and they're a runner so they put on their shoes and they go running right? It's just, it's a part of who they are. And that act of like doing it in a willpower way means that it's not all the way in yet, I would suggest. Okay. And so uh, it doesn't mean that willpower is not useful. It doesn't mean that there's not still growth to do, uh, especially on an entrepreneurial journey or something like that. Um, But there are ways to make more permanent some of those shifts so that they are more habituated and automatic rather than needing conscious attention and will. Does that make sense? Yes, it does
2: make sense. Um, I'm not sure if my, if my language was not inappropriate, but, um, you know, and, and, and it's all, you know, as I said it, I'm I sure... I might have misunderstood
1: it, it, how you meant it, but yeah. No, so.
2: I mean, yeah. Um, a good example, because I think that this is, this is valid. So um, I, I work out, specifically on the Peloton, several, Mm -hmm. several days a week, right? The majority of the week. That for, and I love it. I look forward to it. It's part of my lifestyle. Uh, it's part of my identity, right? I can say I am somebody who exercises, stays in shape and works out. Um, but, um, it is also something I wouldn't want this, but it's also something that if there was any less interest, I could say, Nah. And then a week goes by and you don't do it. And then two weeks mm-hmm. go by and you don't do it. And guess what? Now, really, you're not so much someone who exercises and takes their health seriously. So, that as an example, I don't know if it's still willpower and I'm willing to absorb all this and, and see where it goes. Um, but it is something that I have to consciously make time for and say, yeah, I'm, I, I'm, I'm going to work out today. Sure. Of course.
1: You're yeah. right. So I'm not saying there's no willpower involved or that it has nothing to do with it at all, but the ease of it and the part in your life and the sort of default, like I would imagine that if you're really into the Peloton, that you make sure that you make time for it, mm. right? That it's, that it's one of those things where... Yes, it it takes scheduling and you have to find where it's gonna do it and sometimes it's hard. And there is maybe a worry that if you didn't do it for weeks, like would I still have the would it still be as easy to do it? Like there might be worry that you would lose that quality of yourself. But I know for me working out, like if I don't work out for three days, I'm bothered that I haven't worked out. Like it's there's more default to do it than there is to not do it. Okay. So let's take like somebody who's becoming an entrepreneur and is really avoiding sales calls. Okay. It doesn't mean that like once you take on oh I'm an entrepreneur and sales calls become really easy and in fact something that you enjoy and like. It doesn't mean you don't have to schedule them. It doesn't mean that you may not always get them. It doesn't mean they don't go well whatever, but there's an ease of doing them that's automatic that doesn't take what it took when it was like something you were deeply afraid of or like for me public speaking, right? I used to be beyond Uh, I mean, there's not even a word for it. Like, like I just wouldn't do it. Like, it was absolutely terrifying because my sense of self was so fraudulent and so built on uh, self-hatred and uh, just really, really bad uh, sense of self that being up in front of anyone and having my voice shake or doing anything like that was a destruction because I was giving off this idea of like, I'm so cool, right? There was this big fraud Fakery and who I was in mm. a way of being. The shift into public speaking now is actually enjoyable. I look forward to it. I like it. It doesn't make me nervous. I, you know, I'm sure there's an example where in, in a certain crowd in front of certain people, I would get a little nervous or whatever. But none of that would stop me from doing it. So that shift is so profound that it's it's market. Now it doesn't mean that there's not some willpower involved in scheduling things and doing things, etc. But it once it's habituated, it becomes. Uh, It doesn't require will in the same way because it's been patterned in uh, to your sense of self and your patterns.
2: I want to I want to hear um, more of your path, your journey, and then how you overcame, what you put in place, because you've been on this very path, um, you know, 10, 15 years mm-hmm. now, almost 15 years in this journey. You said you've yeah. been sober 16 plus years. But even before that, you struggled with, I can't imagine, and I want to get into some of that, sure. including- homelessness. And you went from homelessness to VP of technology for a company in a few years. So take us back even prior to the homelessness. How did Rob Scott grow up? What was, what was tension or conflict like? What was daily life like? What was living yeah. like?
1: So I, uh, I went through a lot of really, uh, very violent, um, sexual abuse for years, um, and, uh, dysfunction in the family beyond that. So, you know, uh, divorce, some, some pretty standard things, but, um, also addiction in the house and, uh, just not, not feeling, safe and loved and okay from a very, very early age. I started to experiment with drugs and alcohol when I was seven years old. Jesus. So uh, just the, the standard uh, safety and psychological health uh, was not there. Mm. So I was under such pressure at times that I literally in hindsight could feel kind of the pull from almost like multiple personalities wanting to be, to, to shut down certain parts to deal with pain and overwhelm and just different stuff like that. So fast forward ahead, I have no genuine sense of self that's healthy or loving or okay. I don't feel safe. I don't have trust skills. I don't have these things. And I'm using drugs and alcohol to feel better right, almost as medicine, if sure. you will, so by the time i 'm in my you know teens and early twenties i 'm heavily addicted to all the stuff, right everything heroin crack like all the all the big things, and I end up in and out of all the institutions i 'm in and out of jails and halfway houses and rehabs and um, just all the all the places right and uh, and repeatedly, and I ended up you know at one point i 'm living in a car and then i 'm living on the streets, and then i 'm you know uh, just in and out of jails and it's really, really difficult. And uh, at some point I had what I call this fundamental shift, right? And that's now the name of my company. Uh, What happened for me was I woke up to the fact that nobody was punching me in the face anymore. Mm. And I was carrying uh, a a sense of victimhood and the world is evil and I'm not you know, I'm not good enough and all these things. And I, at the beginning where it began for me, like you, I had a moment where it was unacceptable to kind of be the way that I was. And I just thought to myself, because I was really, I mean, I had best friends die, there was suicide, there were other, you know, deaths, there was just bad stuff. I I said, what if I put all this down and I didn't even think about becoming anything or faking anything. I just was like, what if I just had no just didn't have any of those limits. What if I just came as like open to whatever could be, what would change? And that's when I started to go and uh I got a place to stay, I got a temp job, I started to go up the corporate ladder, um and in just a handful of years I'd gone all the way up to be vice president of technology at this company. In the middle of that though, I got a really aggressive cancer. I almost died of cancer. So Now I'm at this company. I've survived cancer. I've had all this emotional, mental, drug abuse, all the all the different things. And people are looking at me like, "When are you going to write your book?" Like, this is a really interesting story. You own this great house. You've got a great girlfriend. This is your your VP. Like, this is a big deal. And I was I just thought I I haven't really begun yet, you know. And so it Hmm. was 2005. I started a podcast, and I wanted to share some of these consciousness tools that I was using with the world. And so. Uh, There weren't very many people doing podcasts back then. I happened to have a fair amount of people that were listening, listening to me. And a bunch of them all over the world just started asking me for coaching. And I, at first, just sort of resisted it. And then somebody in my life that I cared about was also listening. He was like, I would hire you right now. So I decided to work with him because I cared about him. And it was immediately I knew. I was like, oh, I've been doing this my whole life. Like this was even back when my parents were dysfunctional. I was trying to get them to see things differently. And what if we mm. thought about it like this and da-da-da-da-da. And it was probably the reason I was effective at all in the corporate world, right? It was one of these things where I was able to get really good results out of other people. I was able to get good results out of myself. And so I immediately was like, this is what I'm here to do. This is my thing. So I had a nice exit from the corporate world, went into coaching, and I've, uh, I've never looked back and I've, I've been honing this process of what is it to profoundly change yourself right i think a lot of coaching is quite often skills based you might get coaching on a sales technique or ah. how do i how do i get nutrition coaching or you know there's there's these kinds of things even some therapies very emotional based how do i feel differently about this thing but there's a more complete change that can be made when we really address at the core uh, some of these things and profoundly change some of these patterns Some of these conscious thoughts, emotional things, behaviors, you start to do that. And now you can, you don't just apply it to a business, you can apply it to relationships and how you show up for how you eat and all the different things that you may or may not want to do uh, become more possible for you.
2: Thank you for all of that spectacular, obviously, story. I'm so glad you shared that. Um, I want to hear how you from from the worst right before it getting better you mentioned that you were in and out of every institution there was heroin all kinds of drugs and alcohol and finally you had that revelation that said uh i'm not being punched in the face and we all have our own version of that that the abuse or neglect isn't literally happening in the Mm -hmm. moment but we take it with us for years and years. So you had that moment and you said, okay, what if I just drop all this? And what if I show up openly? Yeah, on paper, that's great. And that's a step. But then what really are the first couple of steps that you need to do is it is it prayer and meditation is it exercise is it journaling like you know like like what's really to say okay i'm here i may i'm making the commitment and then what 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 do you put in place
1: yeah so the thing that happened for me and again i think it happened for you in some sense your inspiration was children my inspiration was deep dysfunction and overwhelm let's say right and what happened for me was, it was, it was a step one without a doubt is awareness. You have to become aware of what's going on to some degree. Uh, And what happened for me that was a fundamental shift for me was this profound, deep awareness that was uh, very profound. There's not another word for it. I mean, it was just, it was overwhelmingly significant to me where I really saw uh, deep inner workings of the illusion of myself. I, you know, a oneness experience. It was just very very uh, you know, trippy, if you will. Right? It was just like, oh, whoa! Like, you know, the ground of reality shook for me, and it was under the pressure of so much dysfunction and upset, and and just like, what is going on? What that translates to for other people that may never have an experience like that is, I had to become aware of what my thought patterns were doing and what kind of beliefs I was holding about myself. So, if we we talked about meaning earlier, right? If we talk about what a belief is. It's an assuredness of meaning, right? That might be the simplest way to think about a belief. It's, it's saying, I don't know if this is true or not. We've already talked about the weirdness of truth, right? It's like truth is kind of a perspective and I'm, I'm trying to make the best meaning that I can. Well, once I believe something, I'm, I'm saying I'm, I'm assured of the meaning. I'm, I'm gonna treat this as true, whether it's true or not. Does that make sense? Of course. Okay, cool. So if I've got limiting beliefs going on for myself and I'm not aware of them, I have these true things happening like I'm not enough or I'm bad at sales or nobody likes me or I'll never succeed or I'll never have the money I should have or whatever. And if those are running and I'm not aware that they're running, they're just in the background, they are just like rose-colored glasses. They're literally changing my view of the world. Mm. They're changing how I'm going to interact. They're changing what I'm going to choose to do. They're changing the whole game for me. So awareness is step one. And awareness itself can be curative. Sometimes you can see that and you can go, wow, that doesn't fit. That's not true at all. And that's enough to get you to the next thing, right? Now, some of these are so deep that you can be aware of them, And it's still hard to talk yourself out of them. They're so deep that they really feel like they're you. And this is why I talk about identity shifting. Because when these beliefs are so deep inside, they feel like an aspect of yourself. People will actually come to me and argue. They'll say, no, Rob, you don't understand. I am a loser. And there might be tons of evidence of it, right? I lost the girl. I lost the money. I just lost the job. You don't get it. I'm a loser. And they will argue for that. And I'll be like, great when are you ready for that to no longer be true anymore? Like, when can we put that down and move to something else, which is the shift, right? We've got to shift past that. But as long as somebody holds on to that, right? Can I ask a question about that at this moment? Yeah, yeah, so sure. this, is, this
2: is interesting. So, so somebody, I like this, this role play. Somebody says, I'm a loser. And you're like, really? Yes? No? Are you? And they're like, yes, because look at all this evidence Mm -hmm. on the outside that dictates i am a loser so am i am i in the right direction is it in fact they are their perspective is the outside in and until they can shift the internal perspective in spite of first in spite of what they believe is the outside defining them have I said anything of value there? You have.
1: Yeah, that's a very interesting point and it really does matter and it's absolutely a part of it. The part that I want to highlight, so so yes, they're looking at evidence, they're they're objectifying it, they're taking it on as a rule, but what they've done is they've begun to believe it. Right. So now as a belief, it's an assuredness of meaning, which might as well be true for them. It's They've taken it on as a truth, right? This is true about me in, in a way. Um, and so- They for them to change. But here's the problem. Psychologically, we want to defend our self-concept. We want to be right. Mm. Whatever we've taken on to be true, we're going to argue for it. So it's constantly, no, 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 you don't understand. And now in a whole history of tons of wins also, what's going to be highlighted in my memory about myself are all the times I lost. But guess what? We all lose all the time. It happens all the time. But if my identity is I'm a winner. I'm going to go back and look for the times that I won. Somebody else is going to go back and look for the times that they lost if they're trying to argue that they're a loser. But it's our sense of self that's making that story up about what we are in this moment. And if I'm carrying that, if I am a loser, and I go into a sales meeting or to go get the interview or whatever, how am I going to show up? I'm going to literally be almost opening the chair for me to just sit down in the loser chair again Mm -hmm. to not get it or to whatever. And that's going to color how I talk and how I behave and all the different things, right? So uh, the best version of me is not going to show up. Some limited version of myself is going to show up, or I may not show up at all because I'm a loser. So why would I even go or whatever, right? Are we in the the
2: domain now of you, you attract what you believe?
1: Yes, but I don't want to make that magical because there's no woo-woo to this. This is truly just to, to the level of agency that you have. Um, or I, I want to say there doesn't have to be magic to this, right? It's not about like all of a sudden, because I've changed thought, this is changing out here necessarily, okay. but because I'm changing how I'm thinking, it's deeply affecting how I'm choosing to behave and show up. So to that effect, it's going to change my results for sure, right? Does that make sense? Do you see yeah. the difference there? Yeah. yeah. So it doesn't have to be any further than that to be a big problem that needs to be addressed, right? Hmm. But the part that I really want to land back on is this quality in ourself that we argue for internally for our own truth to remain true, right? So we're going to be looking for evidence to keep supporting I mean, whatever it is, a political belief, a limiting belief, whatever that is. And so the ego is trying to make permanent things that aren't permanent, right? We're we're constantly in process. We're constantly capable of change. And yet we're trying to solidify it down, turn it into a noun and make it permanent. I am this thing, right? And many of us take on meanings about ourselves that are incredibly limiting. You know, I'm unattractive i'm people don't like me i'm not popular whatever those are so
2: let's turn the tables for a minute for um an entrepreneur tuning in who is and or is ready to live and believe and experience the opposite and say no i am a winner i am extremely successful i sit at all the right tables i attract all the right people all that stuff um how do, what do they have to continue to do once
1: so that, they're on that
2: path?
1: Yeah. So that may not, not to be uh, sad, this is not law of attraction. This is not just like, let's imagine I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. I'm a millionaire. Uh, the problem with that is that if you're not a millionaire and you're saying that to yourself, you're, you're going to feel you're not true. You're lying to yourself, right? And your, your mind is going to know that, right? So there's, there's no uh, there's no real honor in that and it's, it's not going to work out. So the choice in if we, if we can find the the negative lenses, as I call them, negative lenses that we're taking on, if we can see those and and choose a new one, the choice of the new one is actually really important. And it's not just as easy as let's stuff in like I'm a winner, right? It's not like going from I'm a loser to a winner. It's we want to choose what's proper for us that we can take on and actually believe that's more useful, that's more helpful, that's more honest. So it might be, I love when I win, right? Instead of I'm just a winner. Because it's not, you're not, just as much as you're not a loser, you're not a winner either because we win and lose, right? Both happen. Mm. So for that to remain true, it's like, how about we stay focused on I love when I win. I love when I make the sale. I love growing my wealth, right? So if I've got money limits, you know, how do I grow that instead of I'm a billionaire or I'm the richest guy on my block or some fib fakery that we're trying to get ourselves to believe that's delusional and not healthy, but let's get it to what is really healthy. Like I love when I grow my business. Um, I love when I show up and do a great job on a sales call, right? Those types of things, grounding those into the unconscious. Now we start to really uh, show up in a way that's profoundly different and we can start to apply some of that self mastery and move toward actualizing.
2: It's very interesting how you literally separate the law of attraction, which I subscribe to. Uh Um, I make it work for me. But I really appreciate how in your role, in your path, it seems like many in your position include that. And just to hear you um, maybe not exclude it, but um, yes, yes, no, no, but it's this. Mm-hmm. Um, is just uh, really refreshing. When you're well, working- Can I, can I show oh, you please. why? Can I tell yeah, you why? Do. So,
1: so I have a story. Uh, I call it the story of Steve, all right? And I want you to imagine that, that Steve comes and he says, hey, Josh, uh, let's meet tomorrow night at seven o'clock for dinner. And you're like, I can't wait, Steve. You're one of my favorite guys. Let's do it. And you go to dinner at seven o'clock and all of a sudden it's 7.05, it's 7.15, it's 7.30. No, Steve. He doesn't Where's show up. Steve? <laughs> He doesn't call. He doesn't do anything. So you don't feel great. You're a little worried about him. You're texting him. He doesn't get back to you at all. You eat alone. You don't love it. It's not your favorite. You go home. I wouldn't have gone. Why did I do that? He calls back. He's like, hey, I'm so sorry. Something came up. I totally meant to reach out. Let's do it tonight. My bad. We'll meet again tonight. We'll do it at 7.30 tonight. So you go at 7.30. Steve doesn't show up, right? Same thing again. How many times would you go and put up with Steve not showing up for you before you were like, f steve right like i mean like like it would it be three times would it be 12 times it'd be it'd be two. some amount of times right like about two times yeah i think that would,
2: second time is a little suspicious
1: you you wouldn't trust steve anymore even if he was a blast and you loved him and he was a great guy there's something wrong with steve like he's not showing up right so this part of law of attraction where we're we're claiming things that aren't real and we're setting our sights, it's it's not that there's not something in that that can be valuable. But the problem is, is that when we're, if we're looking at our house, there's oftentimes where we're going, I've got to do the taxes. I've got to clean up the bedroom. I got to do these sales calls. I've got to do this marketing campaign. I got to do this. I got to do that. And I'm setting up all these things that I would like to do. And then at the end of the day, when I don't do them, like, and, or maybe I only got to three of them, right? All of a sudden I don't believe in myself, right? There's this quality where I'm not believing what I'm setting for myself to be. So this, this trust in ourself of really being our word, really being uh, honest about what is true matters. And so if I'm setting up, uh, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, I'm a millionaire, and I'm not a millionaire. That's kind of a problem, right? That, that leads to us feeling about ourselves, how Mm. we would feel about Steve, because we're not, showing up. We're not really being honest with ourselves in a meaningful way. Now, instead, if we set achievable things and we actually do them consistently. So if I have 10 things to do, but I pick the one that matters today and I really show up for it. And I say, Hey, I don't have time for these, but I can do this one. And I really show up. Once I do that consistently, all of a sudden, now I start to get this sense of self. That's like, you know what? I can do what I say I'm going to do. I really am my word. When I start to say, not I'm a millionaire, but I love when I make sales calls right? And I'm showing up to make sales calls. Now I'm starting to step into this quality of really being what I say I am. That's an incredibly powerful uh, sense of self that is uh, capable and starts to be able to grow what its capacity is, starts to grow its self-mastery rather than always chasing something that's not here yet. Yeah. Does that make sense?
2: Yes. When, when we come into your identity shifting mastermind or your fundamental shift coaching community, yeah, what, what can we really expect from day one? How do we interact with you? How do we interact with each other? What do we
1: experience? Yeah. So the mastermind is really, that's the big mama jamma. That's the one where people have just profound transformations. Uh, you will come in and you will be different, uh, a matter of weeks later. And, and what we're going to do right away is we're going to go into a lot of the unconscious limits and lenses that you're holding, uh, ones that people don't even see that they have. Uh, they are going to get those uh, repatterned into mm. very, very useful lenses instead. And that alone is worth probably multiples of what the, what the course is. I mean, like that's, that's a really valuable thing but then we go much further. We go into conscious tools. I already split kind of the two parts of thinking, right? That unconscious and conscious tools. Uh, And then we start to get into emotional tools and some doing stuff. We get people really connected to once you change in a meaningful way, your sense of self, what are you here to do now? Right? So uh, a lot of times when somebody's living in limits that they can't even see, if you were to ask them what their goal is, it's not nearly as inspiring as, as it could be. It's almost like you can't, see, you can't see how great you can be from your limits, right? So once we get rid of some of your limits, now we have this conversation about what really are you here to do that's mm. big and profound and amazing. We get that really wired up to uh, a deep sense of purpose and passion like so that it's really aligned with uh, like a pull toward it rather than a willful drive. Uh, we actually repattern in some of those habits and behaviors into the unconscious too. And now a lot of the habitual stuff that's most important to do across those lines just starts happening. Uh, and then I go through the rest of the year and support people into all the different areas of their life wow. once they've, in that first quarter, gone through that process with me.
2: Absolutely amazing. What's, you know. in, what's important to Rob Scott? What do you value really? Whew.
1: I think that I, I want to shift consciousness on planet Earth. I think that if we're really looking, I think we're seeing society at a place that has, you know, if you look at like Steve Pinker's idea, there's all these wonderful things happening. There's all these trends of uh, abundance and, and really good things. And yet we're in the middle of a pandemic. We're We've got political unrest. We've got potentially, you know, ecological challenges. There's, there's a lot of uh, potential threat to the advancement that we've gained, right? There's, there's a lot at stake these days. And I think that uh, the identity of our humanity needs to shift in a profound way. I think that we have an opportunity now uh, to solve a lot of the problems that we're looking at that we've never really had before. And so really what I want to do is I want to participate in helping change uh, at a foundational level, our relationship to thought, our relationship to self and our relationship to other so that we can, you know, really and deeply change our own lives and ultimately change society. What would you like to see
2: the person listening do next? What could they most impactfully do for themselves?
1: Step one is that awareness, but maybe what's even prior to that move is a willingness and a desire to profoundly change. I think many of us are sleeping through our lives and kind of accepting uh, what we call comfortable, but isn't very comfortable, and what it really is is familiar, and we're staying in a familiar pattern because it worked yesterday. Our mind kind of accepts it for today, mm. and what I and I, I think to a great degree we're being lulled to sleep by. Entertainment and just the ease of life these days, and you know, we're we're in a pandemic, and we're all just kind of watching Netflix, right? So that that call to be more, to really step into what's possible for yourself, I would love to inspire people to do that, and I would love to be a stand for the fact that profound change is actually uh, faster and simpler and more possible than people think. I think a lot of us think that it's. Impossible or difficult or really hard. And it's actually much easier and, uh, and possible than people imagine.
2: Man, oh man, I feel like we can go on truly for another hour or two. I mean, we really even just scratched the surface, didn't we?
1: I think so. I think there's a lot here. Maybe I come back. We could do this again.
2: I see no reason not to. Um, I will leave you with this final question I ask of all my guests. Rob Scott, how would you like to be remembered?
1: That's an interesting question about identity, right? That's uh, that's all, all the selves want to be remembered, right? We want some big legacy and all that, don't we? Uh, yeah, I don't know that I'm I'm as worried about being remembered because I I just don't think people even remember very well, if I'm honest. Uh, one thing that I would like to do is I'd like to actually create some tools that are not only remembered but used over time, long beyond me. So uh, yeah. that's what I'd like to do. I think. Uh, uh, more, more changing some of the memetics, right? So we have genetics and we have memetics. If you think about like biological genes and we have sort of thought memes, right? Uh, I'd like to create some really meaningful memes for us and some, some teachings that are helpful long beyond my life. That would be really meaningful to me.
2: I appreciate that answer. Um, I've interviewed over 150 people on this show, asked each and every one of them that question. Most typically I receive uh, an answer of sorts. And on occasion, I do get an answer like that that says, I have no desire to even consider that because that's an ego-based question, and I am way beyond that. So uh, (laughs) you fall into that category.
1: Yeah. Thanks, man. Thanks. This has been amazing. Thanks for your time.
2: I I appreciate that feedback. It really has. Um, And I have, yeah, I mean, we have to get you back at some point because I have a whole page of notes that we... Couldn't have even dove into. So um, yeah. I, I, I know that this topic is certainly more than a, uh, a 45 or 50 minute conversation, right? It yeah. takes a little yeah. bit yeah, to scratch the surface. Um, sure. How can people keep the conversation going with you?
1: Uh, they can go to robscott.com. They can, uh, from there, they can find all my different social media things. And uh, there's definitely some free tools there and useful stuff. Uh, I've got a little mindfulness challenge that's got a little teaching in it. We've got some fun things and, uh, you know, they can apply to talk to me if they're interested in doing any of the coaching stuff that I do. So, yeah.
2: Absolutely amazing. The man, Rob Scott, I appreciate you and your time. Thanks. And And I appreciate everybody's time tuning in. Thank you for spending it today. If you liked it, tell a friend, keep your reviews coming in. I really appreciate reading your kind words. You know, we're going to do this again before too long. Another episode, not too far behind until we do it. Thanks for tuning in. Go get them.